time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. and welcome. It's Christy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here and this is another 101. We are doing reproductive health. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton, but most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And kiss them too. Don't forget, we're brewing a coffee that was given to us by one of our sponsors today, Andrea over at Chicken, Chicken Love Bucks. Yeah, we're drinking Bear Claws Holiday Blend, and it's good. It's good. Thank you, Andrea. We love this coffee. So let's get started. Are you ready to drink some coffee and chat? Absolutely. With our extra special guest that I am going to introduce now is Dr. Rebecca. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for having me back. This is a great way to start off the new year. It's so great to be talking with you guys again. And this is a very important topic. We love talking with you and you are a major partner of the show. We can't do it without you. We love your medical expertise because we want to put information out there that is correct. And this episode is so important since most of us have hens. Right. And the hens can have lots of reproductive issues. So Dr. Rebecca... What's the breakdown for seeing hens with reproductive problems? I would say a sick chicken is usually coming in for a reproductive problem unless proven otherwise, okay. if I have to be honest. Probably like 80 to 90% of my cases are probably reproductive. I mean, that might be a very high reach. But other than that, I would say the main things that I see would either be respiratory, which fortunately not as common as reproductive. I see that far less. And then predator attacks. I would say those are the top three things that we usually see. Okay. Wow. Crops weren't on your top three. I'm Crops were, yeah. Yeah. I would say they're not on my top three. However, they can be linked sometimes to reproductive disease. So I guess okay. that is sometimes it's a sign of reproductive disease. Okay. So what we wanted to do today is come on and educate everyone on what are the things that you should look for. They might be a little hint that it might be time to go to the veterinarian if there's some problems. So the first thing that we want to talk to you about is egg binding. And that seems to be one of the major issues with hens and reproductive problems. Are we correct? Yes. I think it's one of the things that people know most about. I would say most chicken owners are kind of in tune with that and they know that it is something that can happen. I feel like I actually see some of the other stuff more, but I do feel like egg binding can be common, especially in younger chickens as they're laying like their first eggs or down the road with older chickens if they're having other problems with the reproductive system. But it is a problem that all chicken owners need to be aware of. Sometimes it can be dealt with at home, but sometimes there is a point in time in which you probably should go see a vet. So what are the symptoms that someone should look for that might alert them that there's a problem? So in general, I would say most chickens, especially when they're a year old, even two years old, by the time they start laying, they're pretty regular, I would say. And every breed is a little different. Of course, when you have some of your hybrid or I like to call them like your red production breeds, they lay almost every single day. They're yeah. very consistent. Then of course you have some of your, your other heritage breeds that might not lay every single day, but they definitely lay probably three to four times a week. So keeping in touch with which of your chickens is laying and how often they're laying is very important. I would say in general, unless you know that they've just gone through a molt and are not reproductively active, broody hens also won't be laying when they go into that hormonal stage. 
I would say it is unusual for a chicken not to lay an egg. So a lot of times your first sign might just be that, hey, I haven't seen one of my blue eggs maybe in a few days. What's up with that? And I would say beyond that, chickens will just kind of act kind of off if it's gotten to the point where it's actually affecting their health. They might not come for treats. They might sit off by themselves and be fluffed with their eyes closed. Some people also describe like this kind of penguin walk, I think is the best way they put it. It's almost like the hen is kind of like waddling. I also sometimes see this as a little extreme probably, but I have seen one of the legs can become lame or even almost paralyzed with severe egg binding because the egg can get stuck at a point where it's actually pressing on the nerve of the leg. And so they can actually get a lameness with the egg binding. So I would say some of those are mostly some of the major signs, but number one is not getting an egg when you were expecting to. So knowing your chickens, it's huge. Knowing your chickens for sure. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. It only takes five minutes in the morning, 10 minutes to put my chickens out. Sometimes it takes a little bit more time because you want to watch the patterns of the chickens. You want to see what they're doing every day and know their routine to know what's different. Yes. The main thing with chickens, reproductive, any problems is to catch them early, catch them at the very onset of the problem. Absolutely. I would say another sign that I forgot to mention is a lot of times if they are egg bound, I feel like that chicken will visit the nest box several times that day. Usually a chicken will go in, they'll probably sit in there for about a half hour, maybe an hour at most, they'll lay their egg and they'll be off. If you have a chicken that is sitting in the nest box for an unusually long period of time and they're not broody, or if they're going back and forth constantly to the nest box, that can also be a sign that they're trying to lay that egg, but they're not able to. And then that would be the time that you pick up the chicken to then do a little physical exam yourself to make sure something's not physically stuck right at the vent area. I agree. Yes. Now I will say I personally still... To this day, I do a lot of both just outward abdominal exams on chickens. And then my favorite is to do the internal vent exam because I feel like that's the best way for me to feel things. There are still a lot of chickens that I can't actually feel an egg from the outside, even if I know it's in there. So I feel like usually if you're comfortable with it and you have experience with it, the internal exam is sometimes the only way to actually diagnose it. Always have some gloves in your first aid kit. Absolutely. So that you can use these things to do it safely for the chicken. And then after that point, I always feel like it's almost time to see you if if that's the issue to get an x-ray, right? Yes. And of course, that's the easiest way to figure it out. And of course, you have to have the history because of course, I've x-rayed chickens may have an egg in there, but they just haven't laid it yet that day. Um, (laughs) So we want to be pretty sure that that's the reason that they're there. I have heard people say they think they can feel an egg from the outside, but a lot of times that's actually the gizzard that you're feeling. It can feel very much kind of like an egg. So usually if you ever do an internal vent exam, usually the egg is pretty much right there. And it's kind of off to the left side because most chickens only have a left ovary. Oh, that's right. Okay. And this is why we say that it's really important that people do the exam themselves and know their veterinarian and then go to the easy route on the person and the chicken is to go to you that you x-ray and then you can give the next steps, whether it's in your hospital or to send home instructions, correct? Absolutely. And I personally feel like most egg binding issues probably do need to be treated by a vet. That's just my personal opinion, because I think most of these occur 
and young hens that are just starting to lay because they're just not kind of used to it yet. Their body's kind of figuring it out. The muscles aren't as experienced yet. And I feel like a lot of these girls are honestly in pain. And that's the reason sometimes why they can't get that muscle tension to move that egg out. And sometimes if we just relieve their pain, it can go a long way. And unfortunately, there are no over the counter pain medicines available for chickens. So you pretty much have to have a vet to get that pain medicine for them. Right. That goes a very long way, making them feel comfortable enough to be able to pass it. Do you see a lot in the office that a lot of egg binding can come from a soft egg being present also, and then they have a hard time pushing it out? Yeah, definitely. I guess like I kind of don't think of that as egg binding just in my own head. If there's like a lash egg or an abnormal egg stuck in the oviduct, that's definitely something I see with frequency. I kind of consider that personally an oviduct infection. When I think egg binding, I think a normal egg that's just stuck, that's not coming out. But yes, theoretically, that is kind of the same thing. And usually if you have a soft shelled egg um, or a lash egg in there, I associate that with uh, an oviduct infection. So usually those also need antibiotics. That being said, I have seen chickens with oviduct infections get a normal egg stuck in there. And from what I've read, the reason they think that happens is for whatever reason, the excess bacteria in the oviduct causes it to get very sticky. So it's like the egg gets stuck in there because of that stickiness and they're not able to kind of lubricate it and move it through. Okay. So the oviduct infection kind of goes along with potential egg binding. I would say they can go hand in hand. So they're very similar, I would say. Sometimes we treat them a little differently. If I do feel a very like abnormal egg in there, I might have to actually get it out myself versus trying to let the chicken get it out. So should we caution people to avoid trying to get an egg unstuck themselves because of the dangers of breaking it? If you know an egg is in there, do not try to get it out yourself. I have done it personally before for ones that are definitely just not going to come out. And I usually have to do it actually under anesthesia because it's actually a pretty like brutal process of actually getting that egg out. So no, I do not recommend people try to like massage that egg out at home. If anything, I know a lot of people swear by Epsom salt baths. If your chicken tolerates it, go for it. Kind of maybe separating them and putting them in a warm, dark place. I think always with any chicken that's going through health issues, putting your vitamins in the water and stuff like that, it can be useful because sometimes they need those extra electrolytes and vitamins to help them get that egg out. So I would definitely try that stuff at home first. But of course, if you have the luxury of being able to go to a vet, certainly do that first too. That's another old wives tale is the soaking of the chicken in the warm water. Yeah. The other thing is to give calcium to help contractions. We always say have Tums in your first aid kit. That's one of my first things that I do here at the hospital. I have calcium gluconate that we give by injection, but practically I tell people that yes, if you're having issues with an egg binding at home, you can give Tums as an extra calcium supplement. I usually do. I think it's like an eighth of a Tums per day for a regular size chicken is usually an appropriate dose. Okay. Okay. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. From now until the end of February, you can receive 20% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy and nutritious grubs, plus all products ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein, perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot come by with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEE20. Try it today. Hey, Chris. 
Yeah. She likes subscription boxes. Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the January box, I absolutely love the Rooster Bottle Opener and the Seed Sprouting Kit. I love the Poppy Adventures book and coloring book and the knitted headband is going to keep my ears so warm. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. So that can move us into the lash egg, which, as you said, is an infection. Yes, I can kind of just say, like, if I have a chicken that comes in that is egg bound, basically what I do from a veterinary standpoint is I pretty much always try to treat them medically first. So I will give them pain medicine. I will give them fluids because just improving hydration in general can help move that egg along. And of course, we usually give them electrolytes in the fluid. So it helps their hydration. They might not be drinking as much anyway. So pain medicine, fluids, and I give them a calcium injection. Okay. So I do that. And then I want to see that chicken hopefully lay that egg within 24 to 48 hours. And then come back to you if not. Yes. As long as the chicken is doing well, I have learned that we can push that timeline out a little bit. The reason I say that is because I had a chicken I posted about that actually had a broken leg and she also had an egg stuck, but I wasn't sure if the egg was stuck or if she just couldn't get it out because she was in so much pain with the leg. She actually did up passing it on her own like a week later. And usually I wouldn't let them go for a whole week, but apparently for her, it was fine. So I've kind of learned it can be longer than that, but I prefer not to let them go longer than two days. Just knowing your chicken, you got to know when the onset comes. Oh no, it's been three days. She hasn't laid an egg. Let me just look at her. She's not eating as well. Then call the vet. Yes. One, it's incredibly painful for the chicken to try to massage that egg out. Like usually... If it's not coming out on its own, it is really stuck in there. It's going to take a lot of effort to get it out Two, depending on the egg itself. If you have a more soft shelled egg in there, you could break the egg and the fragments then become very sharp. They can actually cause injury to the inside of the oviduct and leakage of the egg contents themselves can cause more inflammation and it can actually cause infection. I never try to break the egg inside either, unless it's my literally my only choice. Okay, so when you have a chicken that may have an egg stuck or may not and is pushing really, really hard to get this egg out, they can have what's called a prolapse. That's when you see the inner lining come out, the cloaca, correct? Yes, the inner lining of the cloaca will be sticking out from the vent itself. When it's healthy, it's this very bright, moist red tissue. It's something you do have to kind of look for because they have so many feathers around the vent. You do need to look for it. But again, this can occur after maybe an egg binding episode or sometimes in younger hens when they are laying for the first time and they might need to push more than an experienced hen. I have experience with this because... Yeah, I feel like this does happen with some frequency. (laughs) Yeah, Cornelia, who you saw last month, the little crusted cream leg bar, she had this when she first started laying eggs. And basically, I noticed that she was walking a little strange. And I picked yeah. <laughs> her up and I know to look in the back right away. And I did, and it was slightly prolapsed. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's something that you have to be aware. And again, it's watching them. Yes. Sometimes the other chickens will notice it and they might peck at a prolapse vent. So you want to try to diagnose these things as quickly as possible because the other chickens can cause a lot of damage to that vent tissue. And I would say the biggest thing that we see, especially in the summertime, is that it can then become fly strike. And then you get maggots and it's just a whole mess that you yeah. don't want to deal with. Trust me. That does not sound good at all. Okay. So no. if someone has a chicken, they notice that she's acting a little strange. They pick her up and she has a prolapse. What should be the first thing that they're going to be doing? I would try to see if you can reduce it by try just gently trying to push the tissue back in. Definitely some very uncomplicated ones. You can, if you get some, some lubrication too, and just try to gently push that tissue back in. If it stays in, you might be okay, but you do need to keep a close eye on it. It's not unusual that then if they go and have a dropping or an egg, maybe the next day, it might prolapse for a slight period of time, but it should go back in on its own. If That's it's not, if it's a large prolapse or if it's not going back in on its own, then you probably need to do some other stuff. Cornelia had a small and I brought her up right away and I did soak her in some, it was in the summer. So I soaked her in a little bit of warm water and had lube and gently pushed it back in and kind of held it and kept her up for a day and would watch her every time after every poop and make sure it didn't come out. The first few times it came out a little bit, not much. And then I just kind of yeah. pushed it back in. By the next day, it had gone back in and stayed in. There are those times too when it's a huge prolapse yeah. and then they need to call you. Yes, I'd say very large prolapses. And especially if you maybe are finding it like a day or two later, if that tissue does not look bright red and moist, if it's dried out, if there's any like scabs on it or blackness or anything like that, that usually needs to be taken to a vet because most of the time that means some of that tissue is infected. And if it stays outside of the body too long, that tissue is supposed to stay lubricated. So it can dry out and start to die. And you do not want that to happen. It's very sensitive tissue and it's hard to fix that if it starts to die off. So at that point, most of those large prolapses can't be reduced without the help of a veterinarian. Dr. Rebecca, how often have you seen prolapse in hybrid laying hens? I'm trying to think what breeds I have seen with it. I see a lot of hybrids just in general because I feel like they're popular. So I would say like, of course, I see it in them, whether or not it's because of their breed. I'm not sure because I do feel like some of those guys are laying larger eggs than some of your other hens, but I've seen it in other breeds too. So I'm not sure if it has a breed disposition or not. Okay. I've seen it in ducks too. So this is definitely something that I see in ducks as well. Okay. You bring up an excellent point in egg size. Yeah. The larger eggs, they're going to have more trouble pushing through. Yes. So even with hybrids, that's kind of what we've been saying is they're bred to give us larger and larger eggs. So that's not as natural for them and easy to come through. And that's why you get the egg binding and then the prolapse and right. all those kind of horrible issues. Yes, um, Absolutely. So we're learning that everyone should have some latex gloves and some sterile lube in yeah, sterile lube. Kit so that if these things happen when the animal hospital is closed first thing in the morning, then right. they call you so that they can kind of be prepared. Yeah, because the most important thing I would say to do if you have a chicken like that and you can't find someone within a few days or so, the most important thing you can do for that tissue is if you can keep it inside, that's great. But the tissue itself, as long as you can keep it kind of lubricated and keep it from drying out, that's super important. Okay. If I have a chicken that comes into me with a prolapse, a lot of times uh, 
I don't even usually try to just do medical management because usually by the time someone's bringing me a prolapse, it probably needs to be kind of physically corrected. So again, I will give pain medicine for this because there's a lot of inflammation usually with that tissue if it's out too long. So that can go a long way just to help the tissue go back in since it's inflamed, depending on the nature of the tissue, if it looks kind of dirty, or if it looks like it has started to become scabby, or if it's covered in droppings, then a lot of times I might have to do an antibiotic too, because that tissue is so sensitive. And then most of the time other sedation, I will reduce the tissue. And then I actually have to place two stitches on either side of the vent to keep the vent kind of closed. So you kind of make the opening of the vent narrower so that that tissue stays in place. I'll usually take them out in a week. So they're just temporary. And then a lot of people always ask me, well, what if they try to lay an egg? Are they going, is that going to get stuck because you put stitches here? I mean, again, I don't know how they do it, but I have had chickens lay through the stitches. So it has not been a problem for me yet. So I don't think that is at the end of the issue, as long as you aren't making the opening too small. (laughs) So you have to tack it to keep it in. So that has that memory of staying back in, especially if it's been out a few days. I personally think that's the only way to keep it back in. Have you ever had to dissect any of the tissue? That's dead. Yeah, I've had some come in that look really bad. And so I will try to remove any bad tissue that I see because I don't want to put that back in. Kind of a different topic, but I have seen a few male docs for actually phallic prolapses. Oh, wow. Um, So they're treated very similarly, but I have actually had to amputate some of them because they have gotten so diseased. So Mm. it can be done. So if there is any diseased tissue, I do try to remove it. Yeah. Is this a myth? Because I've heard more than once that ducks continue to grow their penis. I amputated an entire phallus from a duck about two years ago and it has not grown back. So I don't know that they can grow back. (laughs) What's funny, if if you look me up, um, like if you look up my name, I'm pretty sure at the very bottom of Google, Kelly actually did one of my cases that was a phallus prolapse. And it's like one of my first pages that comes up for my name that I've actually gotten people from overseas asking me like how to do this procedure. And I guess apparently like I am semi-famous for knowing how to treat duck phallic prolapses. I never thought that would be something that I would like put as one of my greatest accomplishments, but apparently that's something I'm known for. One of the things I'm taking away from this discussion so far is that these reproductive orders can be painful and there can be a lot of inflammation and that the key to some of this is anti-inflammatories that you have to get from a veterinarian. Yes, I would say I consider almost all of these to be painful in some way. And I think it's really kind of inhumane not to be giving these girls pain medications. Okay. Just as a side note, chickens in their environment know not to show any pain. Yes, they're very good at that. To protect themselves. So we as people may look at them and say, well, they don't seem uncomfortable, but it is proven that they feel lots of pain, but they don't show it because then their flock mates attack them. So they can't. Yes, exactly. So take them, get the pain medication. The pain medications are also anti-inflammatory, so they will help reduce the tissues that are inflamed along with making them feel better. That's correct. Yes. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, 
prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay, so another big one is egg peritonitis, which is if that egg breaks inside, the yolk itself can cause an infection. So what to look for? What should people do? So peritonitis, uh, we usually call it egg yolk peritonitis. It is a broad diagnosis because it can happen a few different ways. I would say, yes, if you have like an egg break and if the yolk kind of seeps outside or anything like that, it can cause just a generalized inflammation. Something else that can happen, especially if there's something, a lot of times there's usually something greater wrong with that reproductive system. I try to explain it to people. Sometimes you can almost see it as like an ectopic pregnancy for like lack of a better way to explain it. But sometimes what can happen, basically the reproductive system at the very top is the ovary and the ovary has all of these tiny little follicles all over it. And at different stages, basically these follicles have that kind of yolk tissue in it. If you look at one, you actually can see there's like yellow follicles with that yolk contact in it. And they're all kind of different sizes. So then whatever one is the biggest and the most mature will become an egg eventually as it processes through the oviduct. But what can happen, these follicles could burst with some of that yolk tissue and it gets all in the belly and causes a lot of inflammation. It's very painful, I would say. And then what can happen is the body responds by producing all of this fluid in the belly. So some people call this water belly as like the common term. And it's basically when that belly kind of is full of fluid. Now, there can be different reasons or different types of fluid, but we'll just stick with egg yolk peritonitis for right now. They have usually a distended belly. It'll feel kind of like a water balloon. Sometimes they're so full that it's very taut. It feels very tight. And a lot of times I will take a needle to actually see if there's fluid in there and what it looks like. And it actually looks like egg yolk, like no joke. It is yellow and thick. And these girls usually are painful. They're going to be acting more sick. They're going to sit off by themselves. Your classic sick chicken symptoms. They might be walking strangely due to all the fluid in their belly and the pain. Another major thing is you actually might notice their breathing has increased or they might be having trouble breathing. The reason for that is because anytime there's fluid in the, we'll call it the abdomen, but technically it's called the coelom is that cavity of a bird's anatomy. They have no diaphragm separating basically the lungs and the heart from the rest of the salomic organs or abdominal organs. So that fluid can actually press on the lungs and the air sacs, and it makes it hard for them to breathe. So that can be a sign of fluid. Yeah. This is taking me back to Iris and yeah. any of us can have a chicken that can have this. And it's basically what I feel like what Iris had also. It's hard to watch for sure. Yes. You did prescribe her antibiotics and pain medicine and everything. So I felt good that she was feeling more comfortable by the end. But peritonitis is nothing to play around with. Even if you catch it early, it can take them. And yes. So I can't stress enough the onset of noticing then you have to get to you as quickly as possible to get the prescriptions that you cannot get over the counter anywhere. I do think this in general, one of the things that has to be done is we have to drain that fluid. And sometimes it's a very large amount of fluid. And mostly because we need to get that pressure off of the lungs and the air sacs, but also the longer that fluid's in there, it's creating a ton of inflammation in the body. I've actually seen birds develop 
issues with their digestive tract because it's being exposed to all this inflammation and it can actually kind of get stuck together. And that can actually cause slowness of food moving through the digestive tract. And you can get crop issues as a result of that. So it is all kind of interconnected. That fluid can sometimes push on everything and create its own blockage. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So stopping, like you'll notice less bowel movements and things like that, because there's just not the room for it to get through. Those things are 1 million percent. Call your veterinarian, get them in. Do you do radiology on the chickens to see the fluid? Can you see it on x-rays? You can. I mean, you can see it on an x-ray, but basically what it looks like is the whole belly just is like a cloud. It's all just fluid. You can't really make out the organs at all, which tells you that's all fluid in the belly. Yeah. Um, I do not advise anyone to try to treat this at home by themselves. This is not something to put pressure on yourself to try to figure out on your own. If you think that your chicken's belly feels like there's fluid in there, I mean, at the very least, just have a veterinarian check. Some of the bigger breeds like Orpingtons, I have Sapphire Gems that are kind of big too. They just have big bellies. And so your chicken might not necessarily have any fluid in that belly, but it is something to just kind of keep an eye on. And especially if they're acting sick too, but again, not something I expect anyone to try to treat at home. And it can be caused by a lot of different things from infection all the way to cancer can cause this too. That's a very good argument for doing regular wellness checkups on your own bird. Yeah. What they feel like normally. What they feel like. I mean, I keep the big girls. I keep the Jersey giants and the bra. Yes. (laughs) So just getting regularly picking them up, putting your hand on their abdomen, just getting used to what it feels like. It goes a long way towards helping you figure out if there's a problem you need to have treated by a vet. Exactly. Like with Iris, I knew instantly this isn't how she normally feels. Right. So if you pick them up every day, you're doing a check kind of just by holding them, feeling them, knowing what the different birds feel like. It's all about being present in their lives and putting that companion, that pet chicken close to you and knowing routine. If you can't get in the same day with your vet, you can hopefully get in the next day or the day after and get them seen as quickly as possible. So that kind of brings us to tumors. That, I would say, is one of the major problems that we see in chickens in general. I would say this is one thing I do tend to see more commonly in the hybrid breeds or the highly producing breeds. So if people ever ask me how to avoid reproductive tumors or just the heartbreak of having to go through a very severe egg yolk peritonitis. I've also seen some of these guys, they develop probably these like externally laid eggs and it just keeps perpetuating itself. And I've actually seen chickens where they almost have this massive amount of, I hate to like use this description, but it almost looks like hard boiled eggs, like all in their belly or all impacting their oviduct just from constant reproductive disease. So it is not normal for a chicken to go months without laying unless they've been through a molt or they've been broody or, you know, for a reason they haven't done that. So I would say if you want to try to avoid heartbreak, I do tell people to try to avoid, I call them like the red production breeds are probably the ones I see it most in. I know you guys talked about the golden comet a few weeks ago. That's one that I see with this commonly, the isobrowns, anything similar to those breeds is the ones I definitely see this in most often. All of the sex links, essentially. Yeah, yeah um, I would say all of those sex link or hybrid breeds, because that's what they've been bred for to right. lay lots they've of eggs. Essentially bred for hyper ovulation. So they're constantly yes. producing. 
it really is sad because they're wonderful girls. They're sweet. Oh, they are. I have two Isa Browns and one of them is like my favorite chicken. She follows me everywhere. She's my only one that will like go out in the snow and like walk around. Like she has (laughs) such a personality. When she was younger, I actually would see her lay one normal egg and she would even lay like a soft shelled egg in the same day. It's just crazy how high production these breeds are. So they're great breeds. I'm not knocking them at all because I I have two and I love them, but they tend to not live beyond three years. I would say, I would say a lot of these guys I see coming to me at two years of age and they have reproductive cancer. It's just awful. One of our tips to everyone with hybrids, do not light your coops at night. Give these girls a break. We can't stress it enough. Excess life overnight. Stimulates their pituitary to keep them ovulating. These girls work so hard for us. They deserve a break when their body is naturally ready for it. And of course I have some chickens laying right now through the winter and it's just how their natural cycle is going, but they are in bed in the coop at like four 30 and they sleep until sunrise with complete darkness. It drives me crazy when people want to turn on the lights to increase egg production through the winter because their bodies work so hard they deserve a break. And while I see it more in those breeds, I have also seen it in every breed. So reproductive cancer is something I see in all chickens, but even just reproductive disease in general. I think if you just let them have their natural breaks and things like that, it's just super important and it's just kind to them. So that's going to bring us to our last group of reproductive issues that we're going to talk about today because we don't want to overload everybody, but we do want to touch base on the most common thing so that you're aware of it. But this one, it's not really an issue. It's what to do with a geriatric hen and how to keep their reproductive health healthy. What recommendations do you have for everybody who has an older hen? People usually get chickens for eggs and you will find over the course of, I think like after two years is when chickens kind of peak their egg production and then it will slowly go down until they're probably not laying anymore. So it depends on the breed and how fast they go through those eggs. But I have seen eight-year-old chickens. I mean, they're not laying anymore, but they're still like a very beloved member of the flock and they're like the matriarch. So I would say in general, Diet is probably the biggest thing just in general for your flock. It's the best thing that you can do just to support any stage of life. But it does get, I think, a little tricky if you have a mix of age groups, especially too, if you have roosters and stuff as well, you definitely need to pay attention. Unfortunately, I do see a lot of people come through that I feel like they're feeding all of their chickens and all of the life stages just laying food, which it seems like it should be kind of like common sense. This is only for laying hens, but most people will just feed it to everyone. I don't know if it's advertised that way that you can feed it to your whole flock, but I have actually seen chickens die of something called gout, which is when a non-laying hen has too much calcium in her diet or his diet, they will develop these calcium crystals, uric acid crystals in their joints or in their organs. It's irreversible. So the most important thing I would say, if you have a geriatric hen that isn't laying at all, or isn't laying as much probably aim to feed more of like an all flock feed, but always have a calcium supplement available. I personally, I have one rooster, so I feed kind of like an all flock feed for everyone, but then I always have oyster shells available in their own separate thing. I have no idea how chickens know that they're supposed to eat it, but (laughs) they will go get it if they need it. I have no idea how they know, but I would say that is the main thing. I know a lot of people think that more protein is better, But in general, I actually try to tell people to not overload your chickens with protein. 
protein can again, actually cause gout and it can cause fatty liver syndrome. So trying to feed more like veggies and maybe more starchy snacks and looking for foods maybe that aren't as high in protein. I know that a lot of people think you're supposed to feed as much protein as you can. I think I read somewhere for geriatric hens, like 16% of protein or less might be better. Yeah, that's good to know. I also use a lot of off-lock because I have so many roosters. I use off-lock crumble with my bantams because they're tiny little boys and I don't want to. I think that's excellent advice. And like you, I found the same thing. If I'm feeding an off-lock and there are laying hens in that flock, they just go and eat the oyster shell. They're fantastic about it. I don't know how they know. And I will say I have never had an issue with soft shelled eggs and any of my eggs. So I truly think they know what they're supposed to do. If you do have like one hen that is just continuously laying soft shelled eggs, it's probably more of a problem with her versus something problem with what you're feeding. If everyone's laying soft shelled eggs, you probably need to kind of relook at stuff. If you do have chickens less than 18 weeks of old, if you have like babies, you can mix them all together and feed everyone chick feed. You can feed all adults chick feed. And then again, as long as you have that oyster shell available, I don't know how the chickens know it, but they know how to regulate their calcium. It's fascinating what they do. And that's the established rule that we've always given out. We got that originally from Fiona the Fluke Lady, and we'll have to put that in the show notes. The rule is, if you're in a mixed flock, feed to the youngest member of the flock and feed to the male members of the flock. Exactly. And if you do that, you should be fine with the oyster shell. I have heard people say, like, if you have hens that are not laying, that you probably should feed an off log. That being said, again, when I've had all hens, I fed them all layer feed and I haven't had any issues. That being said, I feel like if you have any doubts at all, off log is an excellent choice. And then just supplementing with oyster shells, it's really hard to go wrong. Absolutely. So my buff Orpingtons, Buttercup and Bubbles are my matriarchs of my flock and they're going on seven. So they still are laying. Yeah. (laughs) Are they really? That's impressive. They're only laying maybe once or twice a week, starting in the spring and going through the summer. But I still feed layers because they're still laying at this point. Yeah. If they're still laying, they still need those calcium stores for sure. And you don't have a rooster to worry about in that flock. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's nice when you don't have to worry about a rooster. <laughs> it's so funny. They look at you and they're like, we still want to give you an egg here and there. We it's still pretty have cute. Some left. Oh, that is really cute. The Orpingtons <laughs> know how to regulate themselves. And they yes. get hurty a lot. So they have a lot of breaks. So I feel like that's why they're later layers because yes. they go broody, they stop for winter. Your chickens will give you more, a longer period of time if you give them those breaks. I feel like most of my hens have continued to lay until they were about six or seven years old. Not wow, time. that's awesome. See, I guess I've only had chickens for my oldest girls are now like two and a half years. So I guess like I haven't gone through to see how old they'll continue to lay. The eight-year-old chickens that I've seen here, I don't think we're laying anymore, but that's amazing to hear that you guys have chickens that old that are still laying. I feel like the answer to that is good diet, low stress. Oh, definitely. Um, I completely agree. Happy chickens. Right. Happy chickens. Dr. Jeanette Berenger, she's with the Livestock Conservancy. She has a leghorn hen who would continue to sporadically lay until she was 14. Wow. That's amazing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. If you just support them and I really, I hate to say, I really don't think it's rocket science to feed your flock. Like you said, you feed for either the youngest or you feed for the males in your group. 
I feel like there's a lot of just information out there that tries to make feeding chickens overly complicated. But I think we've said this before. I mean, most of these feed companies like Purina, they have put billions of dollars of research into how to make the most perfect food for your chicken. And trust me, they know what they're doing. They've made it simple for you. Yeah, (laughs) the science is there. Just go with it. Use that technology that these big companies have paid for instead of trying to bake something up yourself that you really don't know exactly what you're putting into it. These companies, like you said, give them, give them scraps and stuff that you have. But as far as their main diet goes, stick to something that has been researched. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll put as an aside, I don't think we mentioned this, but one of the main signs I tell people to look for is if your chicken is not laying eggs. That being said, I have seen chickens if they've gone through a traumatic process, such as if a predator attack just happened in the flock and they get very stressed and scared from that. Or if they've just gone through healing from like a broken leg or an infection in the oviduct or something like that, I have seen them take as long as probably six to eight weeks to resume laying again. So that is normal. I have had hens. I'm thinking of two hens in particular. Both of them had bumblefoot. And the only way I knew they had bumblefoot is because they stopped laying. Yes. So I picked them up for an exam and found the bumblefoot. Yeah. Yes. I had one this year that had pretty bad bumblefoot and she stops laying for right now. So I would say that it can be a sign that something's wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean it could be reproductive related. It can just be illness in general. Yeah. I know I always bring up Gertie, but she's my girl. Gertie did not lay during those eight months of crop issues, but she was a miracle chicken after you did her surgery. And now she's laying almost every day. I know it's crazy. And yes, I would say in general, it's kind of the flip side too. If your chicken is laying eggs, it's very unlikely that something is really wrong with them. I mean, if they're laying pretty consistently, it's usually a kind of a testament to their health and how they're doing. Right. Be vigilant and watch them. Take that time to spend with them, to watch their routines, not let them out in 10 minutes and get back in, but be with them so that if there is a problem, you're not catching it on the really bad end after they've passed away, wondering what in the world happened. Catching those subtle signs. Chickens give you subtle signs. You have to know them because they can't show weakness in the flock. We love talking to you. Yeah, likewise. do want to do a, another, basically a one or two where we dive in deeper, but this kind of lays the groundwork so that everyone can kind of understand every day what you're going to be looking for. So everyone be on the lookout for that. If you're looking for just basic reproductive system information, we do that back at episode 28. So we talk about how the egg forms its journey through the reproductive system. And if you want to listen to that and then re-listen to this episode, it will probably give you a very good foundation for understanding how your hens lay and what to look out for. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rebecca. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It's so important, this uh, work that you guys are doing to get this information out to chicken owners. It's really something that all chicken owners need to know about because it's so common. And like I said, we could talk about it for hours. So especially too, if there's enough questions or enough requests for certain subsets of this topic, we can certainly cover that at some time too. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.